to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer, a birth fit coach, and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's degree in kinesiology, and I am currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness, as well as a mom to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, BirthFit Santa Cruz Regional Director, and mama to Edie Wilder. I'm also the woman behind Radical Roots, where you'll find recipes, fitness insights, travel tips, consulting, and more. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. Um, It's just me, Laura, this week here with a very special guest, and I cannot wait to reintroduce her because she was on our podcast back in like month one, episode six, actually. Um, So I will link to that episode, and you can check out more from Dr. Erica Boland. Um, Today, we're going to talk far more about babies. Last time we talked a lot about mamas, prenatally, postpartum, recovery, the core. And today we're going to talk about how the development of our little ones and what we can do from an early age to help them develop. And um, we're just going to answer a bunch of your questions. So before we jump in, uh, as usual, I will do a little update. Um, I'm holding Evie right now. So if I ever seem distracted, that's why (laughs) she's grabbing the mic and whatnot. Um, but last episode, I mentioned that we were going on a road trip, and I figured I would just update you on that. Uh, we did in one day. I was solo with her, so just she and I. It was about two and a half hours one way and two and a half back, and um, she did really well. The way there, she slept almost the whole time. The way home, after a long day, the afternoons are usually a little fussier. It wasn't as smooth. Um, she slept for about an hour, a little over an hour of it. Um, the other part, she was a little bit fussy at some points um other points she was just kind of hanging out but when she would fuss and cry I just made a point of kind of talking to her and that seemed to really help she never got to the point where she was like super 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 unhappy was more just fussing and kind of yelling at me so I guess now I know I can do it and my best advice would be that if you're traveling alone with a little one and they start fussing and crying I think the best thing to do at least for me what worked best was just talking to her I was just kind of like yeah I know it sucks uh I feel you you can go ahead and go ahead and cry about it. And I could reach back just enough so she could grab my finger while still driving safely. <laughs> um, so that worked out pretty well. And that night she slept really well. I feel like she processed a lot <laughs> during the drive. Um, so it went really well. And now I'm not so afraid. And the solo weekend of parenting also went well. She's at a fun age now where um, I feel like I'm actually hanging out with my buddy instead of like the first time I was alone for a weekend, she was super, she was super small and not as interactive. And now it's like, I have someone to talk to. So that's fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what's new with us. I'm also starting some solids. So if you're interested in seeing that, go follow me on Instagram, Laura.MyRadicalRoots, because I'm posting to my stories. Uh, this morning we had some ground beef, butternut squash, and bone broth pureed with a little, she just burped, with a little bit of uh, Paleo Valley liver or organ complex sprinkled in there and it went pretty well I make like a big a big batch and of course she eats about a teaspoon but uh we're working on it (laughs) so that's what's new with us um 
that's enough about me and Evie. I want to introduce our guest. So we have with us today Dr. Erica Boland. Um, she is a chiropractor alongside her husband, Kyle, in West Salem, Wisconsin. She's a mom to four adventure-seeking boys, owner and regional director of BirthFit Wisconsin, a member of BirthFit's senior leadership team, a doula, and a core and pelvic floor enthusiast. Um, she is one of the wisest people I know <laughs> and one of my really, really good friends. Her mission is to educate and empower women through transformation of current postpartum protocols and bring light to the true activation of the core and the pelvic floor. So I'm super excited to have Erica with us today, and um, she's been a huge mentor to me and my growth as a not just a birth fit regional director, but also um, a human and a mama, and um, she helped immensely during my pregnancy in helping me to um, maintain a strong pelvic floor, and my recovery has been great, and I credit her for so much of that. So without further ado, hi, Erica. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm excited to be back on. I'm so excited to have you, and I know we've had we had a bunch of listeners uh, write in questions for you because this is a topic we have not addressed before. Um, getting into how our babies move, we talk a lot about how mama moves, how to build core strength for mom, but that stuff starts from the time our little ones are infants. And so we're super excited to have you on today to answer some questions about our little ones. And we know you have a lot of experience with this, with four boys, and then also in your practice. And so we're going to dive in. But before we do, I'd like to start with a icebreaker question. So in the oh, spirit of okay. the holidays, this is going to air the Wednesday before Christmas. So what is your favorite thing about the holiday season? Oh, definitely family time. Yeah. Um, we have several get-togethers that we go to, and one of them is um, we, we all go to this huge cabin about an hour south of where we live. It's called Sugar Creek. And due to sports schedules of the little the little people in our house, we cut it short to one day instead of staying for like two and a half days at the cabin. And I realized I felt a little lacking when I left. Um, there's definitely craziness involved in getting everything ready, but I think I really thrive off of that time to just chill with family. So this year will be nice. We don't have any that overlap days, so we can just be present with where we need to be. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And why don't you tell our listeners so they know the ages of your four boys, mom yes. of boys. So what are their ages? Um, Taryn is 10, Cannon is 7, Lakin is 5, and Macklin is going to be 2 in January. I can't believe that. And I was laughing as you are telling your story about Evie because um, I the, the, those stories sound so familiar. And Cannon, our second, used to cry uncontrollably in the car. And actually, Lindsay Muma taught me this song, which I will spare you the voice of, but... Um, I would have to sing it from like Davenport, Iowa to Dubuque, Iowa, which is an hour straight. <laughs> and if I would stop singing, he would start crying. And if I would talk to him in any other way, he would start crying. It was like only this song. So we try to avoid it now, but I hear you and I feel you. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that song from you just in case. She loves singing. I can sure. definitely teach it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't want to sing it live or not live, but for thousands to listen to. <laughs> right. Not so much. <laughs> Maybe one-on-one. -on -one. That's fair. I think we have that we relationship. <laughs> yeah. 
Very cool. That's awesome. So as you guys can tell, she's got lots of experience with kids because and their development. And you've seen the whole gamut with all four of yours, no doubt. Um, so it's pretty exciting. And I'm excited to jump into this. But before we do that, do you have any updates um, since the last time you came on? I mean, I'm sure you do. It's been months. I think I don't think Evie was like brand new. So um, uh, what's new in your world in terms of like birth fit, chiropractic, life in general, anything that you're super into lately or that's, you know, been a good update since we last spoke? Yeah. So since we last spoke, we started the professional seminar with BirthFit, yeah. which has been super awesome. And, and I mentioned that, that here well, too, because I got to teach one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's been great. Um, we are going to Atlanta next, which actually just sold out. Yes. And then um, 2018, half of the 2018 schedule is already up on the website. So that's really exciting and definitely getting different um, professionals together to work together for the betterment of women being supported in the motherhood trim position. So I've, I have really, truly been loving doing that. Um, it's funny that we're having this podcast today on a Wednesday because at Cooley Health, our practice, Wednesdays have become my baby day. So usually I see mom and then infant or toddler on Wednesdays. So people just love it coming, like the massage therapists have people in here and everybody loves all the babies that are around and it feeds my baby fever without adding number five. So <laughs> Wednesdays are good. That is awesome. Um, but I other love than it. that, yeah. Cool. Oh, um, I'm taking my first CrossFit seminar in January. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I think it'll help me a lot as not only uh athlete but especially as a teacher so mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how that how that runs that's so cool diversifying I told you guys she's very wise and now she's adding to her arsenal <laughs> that's so awesome and um you guys if you haven't checked out if any of you are a professional of any capacity whether it's like chiropractic PT nutrition doula um the seminar is magical it's so incredible, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But I meant I talked about it when I got home from the one I taught in Dallas. Um, but it's really incredible. So go give that a look if you know someone. Like, let's say you're working with a PT or a chiropractor, and you think they could benefit. Maybe send them the link because um, truly anyone could benefit. You could not be a professional and still benefit immensely from this one. But it's a really incredible seminar. So I will link to that, and I'm excited for what this year is going to bring with that one for sure. Um, So yeah, let's dive in. So I don't even think that a lot of people know that this is a topic of discussion in terms of, Mm -hmm. so today we're, you guys want to talk about development of babies in terms of, um, from when they're born all the way, you know, till their kids and how they move and how, and how, what we do as parents can support them in their development. And Erica can probably verbalize this even better than than I can but I I know that before I had Evie and before I met Erica and got into birth that I didn't realize that what we do and do not do as parents while they're infants plays such a big role in how they develop as movers um, how their core develops how so much develops as they grow so I guess we could just kind of kick off by saying like what got you into this and how did you know that the way our kiddos move or are supported or um, the way we let them kind of just exist when they're super tiny, how that plays into their core and movement down the road? Yeah, so it was actually in chiropractic school. I didn't know any of this at all with our first two kids and really started to learn more about it 
through my pregnancy with our third. Um, I started to take DNS or dynamic neuromuscular stabilization seminars here in the United States and all of their treatments and assessments and everything is based on the way that we were born to move. So I started to realize how important our day-to-day movements are and then how much of an effect this treatment in particular could have on on children that were struggling. But like you said, I think most people just are like I was in the in my early years as a mom and just don't even realize that it's a discussion or that it's that we can make a difference with it. Um, so I ended up going to Prague, right? So that was 2013. After taking several DNS courses, I ended up going to Prague. Um, I was supposed to go with a little girl with cerebral palsy, but for personal reasons on her end, we and she ended up not going. That I shared a little bit about that last time with my story. It's it's definitely how I got into women's health, and now getting into women's health, it has really brought it full circle because I see now that women that commit time to movement during pregnancy um, are having an effect on the way that future generations will move. And science is showing us that more and more through epigenetics. So yeah, everything is everything. And it's, it's been pretty amazing to see the changes that it can, that we can make with infants if we allow them to just develop on their own or move as they were born to move. Um, so yeah, that's, I got into this in chiropractic school and since then have kind of just really made it my go-to, I guess, for therapy in the office or when talking to moms or parents or dads. And at the same time, my husband uses all of this with his patients, his athletes as well. So definitely transfers throughout life. And that's what I love. It doesn't have to be like a new set of rules as we grow. It's like when we, if you, those of you who are familiar with the functional progressions, they're so watching Evie start to move in, in her own little world. It's like, Oh, she's starting to move through those in her own capacity. And it's, it's really incredible and not much half, like you said, it, it totally carries over from phase to phase of life, which I absolutely love. And it's never too late to start this stuff either, which I also love. Um, that's kind of like a theme of this podcast when we talk about nutrition or aware parenting or movement. It's like, it's never too late to start. Um, but at the same time, it, it is helpful if these little ones can start moving, um, properly, I guess, quote unquote, properly early on. So, um, Let's, I guess, let's dive in. We got some really good questions. Um, And so I will just start there. Because I feel like questions kind of just can lead our discussion. Um, Yeah. I'm always like, do we have enough questions? And we always do. So let's jump in. (laughs) Evie's like pounding my microphone wires around. So if you guys hear that, um, that's what's happening. (laughs) Okay, so let me pull these up. So we got a really good one. Um, First question is there such a thing as a late walker? If your kid is getting on the later side of normal, what sort of movement progression can you watch for to make sure they're still on the right path? And I guess this is kind of a question, I, I, maybe it shouldn't have been the first one, but it'll probably help to just kind of lead into the other thing. So just in terms of, I think this is a good question just overall in terms of parents comparing their kiddos to others in, in movement in general. So whether it's walking or crawling or sitting, um, I guess we could start by 
kind of going through what you would see as the progression in terms of should kids walk or crawl first? Should they sit first? How soon is too soon or too late to be walking? That kind of thing. Um, So why don't we start with, we'll get to this question. Let's start with what do you think should, I guess, what's the order? Is there a should in terms of order? Walking, crawling, walking, or sorry, sitting, crawling, and walking. What do you think there in terms of um, a should? Which I don't even yes. love that word. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, in this, you nailed it on the head. That question is really, it is more important for children to go through their milestones in order, or it's it's um, more beneficial for them to do that than it is for them to walk by age one or 14 months or whatever. And it is um, a lot of comparison that happened, even amongst the same families, like different children will move at different paces, brothers and sisters. Um, but then especially as you're in mom groups and, you know, like so-and-so's baby's walking and they're nine months and more power to that mom. But um yeah, so it's it's actually more important for babies first to be able to roll over. And then, um, so as they develop, they go through what we call motor patterns. When they start to roll over is actually when they start to heal their own diastasis, which is pretty cool. It's their, their uh, movement towards stability of their, their own core after breath, which is the initial core rehab for them or development, I guess I should say. So we go, they go from rolling over and then kind of this like low oblique sit. And then, so kind of a a side sit on their elbow, um, even a high oblique sit and crawling, these things start to happen around the same time. And then even to sitting, um, that usually sitting up actually doesn't occur until around eight months. For a child to be able to sit up on their own, which for a lot of you listening might be a surprise because likely a lot of children out there have been propped up on their own, which definitely affects their development. So around eight months is when you can expect them to start sitting up on their own and just before or after crawling and then kind of doing tripod around nine months. So support on three limbs and then to stand along objects, walk along objects and then freestand from like a bear position and then walk. So you think about all of the, can you imagine learning that many things in a year as they do in their first like year to year and a half of life is crazy to me. But I will say that the longer they crawl in my experience and in other colleagues experience, uh, the longer they crawl, the better. And I can't even begin to tell you how crucial crawling is for development just because it helps so much with the core, so much with the shoulder development, so much with the hip development, which translates later in life to them playing volleyball or golfing or like lifting. Um, we, it, it's definitely related to performance years later in life. So not just in that first year, but the, the typical sequence is far more important than a certain time. To answer her question or his question, um, things that you would look for if if there was a true delay in movement that had that was a concern, you would probably feel uncomfortable with the quality of the movement, if that makes sense. So maybe they were extremely rigid, or maybe they were just kind of like floppy for back, for lack of a better word. Um, but for example. 
our, our boys all walked at very different times. And with our third, Lakin, he was almost 16 months old before he took his first steps. And I was starting to think, oh my gosh, is this kid ever going to walk? But he's totally fine. And he just, you know, he, he walked later than the rest of them. He talked a lot later than the rest of them. And now he goes faster than any of them. That's so, so awesome. She did yeah. say that she had a physical therapist tell her that her son looked like he might have low muscle tone. And she, okay. she said she's not sure what that even means because the therapist didn't explain it. And um, she's curious if those two things are related. Yeah. I mean, um, I would say being an advocate for your child in that case, then and asking the physical therapist, what can I do to help or who should this person see looking at the rehabps.com website to find a DNS practitioner near her. Um, but also one thing you can do for this child, I don't know how old he or she is, but putting them on their side to roll over and then just resisting that rolling at the hip. So, or same thing in crawling, resisting them in crawling. So adding resistance to their movements and making it kind of a fun little game can help them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It can help them develop their, their tone and their motor patterns. So that's super cool. And as a CrossFit coach, I'm like, Oh yeah. It's like a, you know, it's like a sled pull. <laughs> but exactly. Course, you know, it's a similar concept. Like, like we said, this stuff plays over from when we're little all the way till adulthood and we can benefit from similar, obviously you're not going to strap your kid to a sled, but you as the parent, you're getting bonding time and touch and also yeah. you're helping to, to build that muscle. I love it. Um, I th- there we go. I thought you were frozen for a moment. Do you hear me? Yeah. I, I mean, if you look at functional progression one, hello, I can hear you. Fine. Okay. We're good now. Can you hear me? Yeah. There's okay. just a delay. Okay. <laughs> um, if you look at functional progression one and you take from that position on your back with hands and knees up or even, um, arms overhead and then just take that person and upright them, it's basically the bottom of a functional squat. So you can see how these lower positions translate to higher movements. I love it. And then she asked about um, sitting as well, or this is actually a different question. So um, does placing your baby in a seated position before they can sit themselves up independently natively impact their development? And when uh, the first, my first thought is, well, putting them in a seated position means that they're not squatting. And I know as a, just as a, a movement specialist in my training as a trainer and coach is that, um, the more we sit, the more problematic life is in general. Right. And so, um, that would be my first thought, but then I know there's a lot more to it. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on this one. It's so interesting that you say that because when you watch kids play, they very rarely sit in a full upright sit, like a oblique sit or a tripod, even when they're playing, they're, they're pretty active in their movement or their stability. Um, and yes, it definitely does have an ineffective impact on their development. So I would say compare it to us giving you a loaded weight or bar to lift, but you don't have the strength capacity for it. Um, and we told you, you have to do it. You would struggle with all of your might to pull in all of the muscles that you have access to, to get it done, but not necessarily efficiently or effectively. So 
if they have not, our bodies are beautifully orchestrated systems. So everything happens in a sequence on purpose. And if they haven't reached seated on their own yet, it means that they don't have the development yet in those muscles in order to truly support themselves the way that they should. So they're already then from a very young age compensating for those movement patterns. But it is so common for the convenience factor of I'm going to put the baby in the swing or the bumbo or whatever. And truly that begins at such a young age because um, once they're propped upright and they have that, they have looked at the horizon, I guess, from that point of view, their brains are really freaking smart. So they're driven to see from that point of view. So then when mom or dad tries to lay baby on the floor and baby's fine, then um, we get baby gets labeled fussy baby so Laura, I can see you, but I can't hear what you're saying. I don't know if Evie hit a button or if there's a... I was totally on mute. (laughs) (laughs) I was just chatting away. Um, Thanks for bearing with us, guys. I've got Evie here. We're we're making it work. I love it. Sorry. Okay. So what I was saying was that... um, we are, we were in the midst of that, like pretty hardcore because we had, we hadn't, we don't have own a seat or anything, but even still, as soon as she started to be more aware, she went through this period where she did not want to be put down because she knew the world existed and it was before she had learned to roll over. And so she wanted to just be held all the time. And I'm grateful that my husband is home um, a lot during the week. And so we did a lot. I remember one day at the end of the day, he's like, I feel like all we did today was trade off the baby, like hand her back and forth if she was awake because she wanted to see everything. But now she's gotten used to the fact that she's laying down a lot of, you know, if we're not, we hold her a lot, but if we're not holding her or wearing her, she's on her back and she'll roll to her belly. And she's just, she's more capable of moving her head. It's amazing to see her head control and she can push herself up with her arms and she's starting to like be able to take in the world around her without being held or propped up. And that's been very cool to see. Um, but now the new struggle is that we're starting to feed her a little bit because we want to try and get some like iron and zinc and some of the good stuff in now. And so yeah. And so it turns into either a two person job because we don't have a high share. And our plan is once she can start to sit up, is just to feed her on a mat on the floor and have her sit in a squat and eat the food off the mat. Um, but right now it's like either a two person job or like I'm struggling one, holding her with one arm or like trying to get, you know, and then letting her touch and hold the food. So like, I understand that it's, it's inconvenient. I'm right in the midst of that, but like knowing what I know, I'm so grateful for you because I can't unlearn what I've learned, what I've learned. And so, um, I just make it work. <laughs> so it's, it's tough sometimes, but, yeah. but I like, I, and just I would say, think it's worth it. So yeah, go ahead. I would say, um, it's definitely a mutual relationship though, as well. Like don't beat yourself up about her laying on her belly and eating or even, um, 
if she is going to be in something like one of the 45 degree angle seats rather than like prop straight up um, to allow for you guys to actually have a dinner time. But yeah, that's what we did with Macklin too. It's like he still will sometimes choose to eat in the bottom of a squat rather than sit at the table and eat with us. But sometimes I hesitate to give parents all of this information because it becomes there's different transitions that they go through that can become pretty challenging as parents. So remember that you also count as a human. So sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Uh, moderation is key. I remember texting you at like week five or six and being like, the only way that she'll sleep is if she's a little bit propped up because she's got this gas and I don't know what to do. And I was so worried. And you were like, it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a phase of her life and she'll be all right. And now of course she's flat on her back and, and happy as a clam. And so uh, that's a very, that's good perspective because when you're in the midst of it and you're, you're already stressed because you're not getting a lot of sleep or whatever the case may be. And then you're beating yourself up too. like guilt is the most, um, I don't know. It's the most, it's the most like unproductive emotion that exists. I think so yeah. we have to give ourselves. Give grace. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on, this, the sitting propping up. So I, that was interesting too, that what you just said about how it might be more benef- not less detrimental, even though that's kind of a harsh word to have them, um, in something that they're a li- little bit more laid back versus sitting straight up and down, like maybe like a bumbo or something. Um, so that, that's good to know as well. And yeah, we had a lot of dinners where we just laid her on the table, but now with a bedtime, we eat dinner after she goes down. <laughs> just so we can actually sit and eat. Um, But then during the day, I'll hold her while I eat lunch and give her bits of my food and whatnot. So that's been cool. So I love it. Okay, let's talk about um, next question here. Let me find it. Let me find it. Um, How – okay, that's the seat one. The next one here is – she, this mama would love to know what baby gear and toys don't hinder development and also how to balance practicality with promoting ideal baby development. And you kind of touched on that already, like the convenience factor, it gets hard. So do you know of any, um, any gear and toys that might be, might be still okay, I guess, in in this situation? Um, so as far as gear, I'll use like a stroller, for example. Um, when we started looking for a stroller, right, when I get asked questions on a stroller, I'll recommend something that weighs completely flat mm-hmm. so that if they if they aren't sitting up yet and they do need to be in there for an extended walk or whatever, that it is like completely flat. The other thing is baby wearing and until they the baby can sit up on his or her own realistically shouldn't be worn facing out or on your back but facing towards you in the front and the carrier should support up to their knees so that their hips aren't just hanging there so um i have a lily baby i've heard great things about the ergo you know like just and those are just kind of my experience but um baby wearing can be good for babe to be close to mom or dad but also can be very good for mom as far as just kind of like body weight um, exercise with a little bit of a little, little bit of extra weight added on. And then as far as like 
I don't know. I'm in this major minimalist phase, and I don't think it's probably a phase because I've been in it for a while now, but we just, we have so many toys, and we've gotten rid of an exponential amount of them, and then we continue to get more sometimes. Family's getting a little bit better, and with the holidays coming up, it's really interesting, but they don't need, like, the, the blinking lights and the super loud noises and the distractions, like... Honestly, I posted a video on my Birthfit Wisconsin Instagram, I think it was recently, or maybe it was Imam DC, my personal Instagram of Macklin. For 20 minutes straight, this kid jumped off of a cardboard box, and he was totally entertained. The next day, after we had thrown it away, he made his brother, asked his brother to go get it out of the garbage. So, like, little and things. And then I was entertained going- by that video. I watched it probably <laughs> six times. <laughs> so good uh I did he for his age he can communicate very well so I did actually ask his permission to to post the video because he did face plant in it and I wasn't planning on that but then it was kind of funny so it was so good he said yes so (laughs) so cool yeah we feel the same way Um, Rusty Rusty just ended up making a play gym out of like three wooden sticks and a, a toy we hung from some twine. Um, cause all this stuff is so expensive too. And my family has been pretty amazing about it. Like we live in a small condo and so we made an Amazon wish list this year. And, um, my mom, if she buys, like she bought a high chair and we're like, ah, we don't want a high chair. Thank you. We love you. So she's keeping it at her house. So yeah. then, then it's like, okay, we'll use it less often. When we go there, we'll put her in there and we can sit and have family dinner and it's less often. Um, and that's just kind of how things have gone. If if there's like a plastic toy we're gifted, it's like, oh, this can be at grandma's, <laughs> you know. So we don't have to have it yeah. as much of that. But it we is. definitely went through like the people giving us stuff early on, like bumbos and stuff, and we just had to like try and be gracious because we don't have the space. So that was convenient. We don't have the space, so that's what we would say. But also, we knew that we didn't, we weren't going to use it. Um. I'll tell you a funny story. So they used to prop the daycare that Lakin went to. They used to prop them up all the time in like either the bouncy seat or little, little bumbos because at the time they weren't like banned in daycares or whatever. And so a little background on Lakin when he was six weeks old, he had a seizure, which was totally really scary, but he's fine. Um, so I feel like I can share this. So he had the seizure and already at, um, let's see, was it eight weeks old when he went into daycare? So already at this time they're propping him up and whatever. So I told the daycare ladies that because he had a seizure, the doctors said that he cannot be propped up in any devices that he has to lay on the floor. Nice. <laughs> totally pulled it right out of my rear but I was like dude quit putting my baby in that shit yeah that's so, mama anyway. and that's mama genius right there you do what you need to do and you say what you need to say <laughs> I love it yeah yeah but there's ways I mean in those gifts are all out of love for sure and I think once you if you're like us and you didn't start out that way and you like started out wanting all of the things and getting all of the things, um, it can definitely be a transition. But now, like for Christmas, for example, they get things like children's museum pass 
passes and water park passes and whatever. So more experiences for you guys to go do together. And then we talked a lot about this. Yeah. Our episode last week um, was a holiday one and we talked a lot about gifting and how it's really important in our family. um, A thing we're trying to implement is like one or two gifts at Christmas and then an experience. So like gifting experiences just go so much further than just opening one thing and then they get over it pretty quick. So, um, I love that. I think that's awesome. And that's a good way to also like if grandma and grandpa keep trying to get gadgets and stuff and gear. It's like, Hey, why don't you, she really wants to do this. So, or he really wants to do this. So maybe you could give him the experience and then you could take him or her. And so you get more quality time. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And they learn from us. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. We tackled a lot of that, the gift giving and what, how to kind of handle that. And that last episode, it was, it's, that's a, it's a very common question. I think our generation is very much more minimal. Um, and so like learning how to traverse those waters has been interesting. Um, but yeah, one thing I always say is like, in terms of gear, when we, when you have a baby, they need so little, a good wrap or (laughs) carrier, your boobs or, or formula. If you have to formula feed, um, I mean, the first weeks she was in a diaper and she ate my breast milk and she slept in our bed. It's like we needed like nothing because it was so warm. So it's just, you know, you don't need a lot. And I think a lot of people worry about their, like their registry and all the things to put on there. And I know I did. And it's like, uh, they need so little. They just need love and, and food and snuggles and diapers. Yeah. Truly all they do, especially in those first, like all they need is just skin to skin and Mm -hmm. love really. And it sounds silly because we're, we're in a very materialized world, but mm-hmm. it is reality. I love it. Which is cool. Um, in terms of skin to skin, someone did ask about naked time and if there's a benefit to having baby be naked um, when they're little. Um, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially skin to skin, um, it helps with mom's hormones. It helps with baby's like regulation of their system. And then as they grow, I think it transitions more into a, like, self-love. Um, our boys are naked a lot, but we're just all, like, really comfortable with our bodies. And yeah. so um, I think there's no reason for them to wear clothes where it's socially acceptable to be to be naked. Mm-hmm. Um, and some kids have more of a sense of things as well and, like, you know, just different energy, but definitely in the, in that first, in those first year or those first years, those first few weeks, um, being as close to babe, like skin to skin as you can, Mm -hmm. at least for the first two weeks and getting a little bit of that time to time from there on out is it's really, really good for the bond and the development. So it helps, um, the physical and emotional level. Yeah. It was awesome for Rusty, too, because that's like, you know, mom's nurse. I'm nursing her all the time, and it was a way for him to really connect um, having. And she loved just, like, curling up on his chest, and I get all. I can't believe that that was as long ago as it was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's pretty magical. So the more of that, the better, and it helps to regulate their temperature and all of it. Um, so Yeah, and actually, if you, if a baby is, like, just laid on the belly right after birth, they will crawl to the breast, which... Like, they have the instinct to find the breast. They have mom's scent. They have mom's, like, smell or um, sound and touch. And also that helps to massage the uterus for the mom. So it's all this 
like again a cycle of everything is on purpose and we did that and it was it was I still like I get goosebumps when I like think back to that moment when Rusty put her on my belly and she like she definitely there was like a crawling and nuzzling towards my my yeah and it was like it was just so magical (laughs) yeah all the feels and I'm like filled with endorphins and oxytocin (laughs) (laughs) I love it Um, for sure do you know anything I've heard this I don't know I would need to like research a little bit more but in terms of like diapers um, specifically I've heard sometimes cloth diapers if they're bulky can kind of impact the development of the hip Um, I don't know if that's and and I know some some clothes potentially too if they're like super bulky or um, whatnot do you know if that has can clothing or any like anything they're wearing externally um, impact their development on a physical level slight delay yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would say with any clothing, diapers or clothing or whatever, you want it to be not so tight that it's restricting. Restricting, And I can totally see with the hip development if they're in a really wide or bulky cloth diaper all the time, especially during the day when they're trying to move um, and they're being so stimulated by their environment. Uh, one thing that has concerned me with cloth diapers, which we clothed our youngest, and I just realized that I had to find the happy medium between not restricting his breathing, but not having explosions all over. Yeah. And cloth diapers were awesome for, I don't, I think we only had one blowout in comparison to the regular diapers. It felt like it was happening all the time. Maybe that's just boy parts. I don't know, but Um, but yeah, so I could see how, if it's really restricting, it could impede their development specifically with the breath. Like if a diaper is way too tight where they can't get that breath with their belly that they need to, then yeah, that can have an effect. Um, so just finding that fine line. Yeah. And I'm sure cloth diapers today versus even like 15 years ago, or it's probably night and day in terms of how bulky they are. You can you can't really tell now if kid has clothes on, whether it's a cloth or disposable. So that's good to know. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so kind of back to the gear question, we kind of already touched on this, but, um, this mama would love to know more about the pros and cons of specific baby devices. Um, so she, she mentioned swings, bouncy seats, walkers, door jumpers, bumbos. Um, is there a difference between any of them or that's all pretty much kind of the same in terms of the development, um, issues that we see? So honestly, of the list that you just named off, the only one that I would say, like, yeah, you could, like, that I would encourage you to maybe use once in a while or say, yeah, sure, it's fine once in a while, is the bouncy seat um, or possibly the swing. But honestly, the swing takes up so much space and it's just, uh, it's really cumbersome and it's really not necessary. But if you have a baby that is, uh, super colicky for some reason, you know, obviously like take baby to a chiropractor, look into dietary changes, things like that, rather than relying on plastics for help. Mm-hmm. Um, but Johnny, it's funny that you say like the walker and the Johnny jumper, Taryn, our oldest definitely had, I mean, if, if it's a gadget, you name it, we had it and he's okay. He, he lived, Yeah. <laughs> but tr- truly by the time, the only reason that they're, 
they're in a walker is because they can't walk yet, but they want to get places. Mm -hmm. So that's impeding their development. And then the Johnny Jumper, kind of the same thing. Um, I think you would be just as good to get, if you needed to keep the child contained, like to create a safe play space with a gate or whatever, rather than uh, the Johnny Jumper or the Exorcist or whatever. They, it, I have not yet seen any child sit in them functionally because normally it's happening before they can reach those positions on their own. Right, and so I, because I see like little kids uh, running around in the walkers or whatever um, before they can actually walk, and so it, it occurred to me now that I'm getting more into this whole like DNS and functional progressions and whatnot that everything should come from the core. Right, that the the yeah. and like CrossFit talks a ton about this as well. Like core to extremity, we should build the core. Everything should move from the core. But if the kid can't stand or sit on his or her own yet, but is but using his or her legs, then there's there's like a, it's very clear that things are kind of out of order. I guess because ideally we would brace from the core, engage our core, and then move our legs. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and when you think about it. Um, it is us teaching them or them learning compensation patterns. So what we practice every single day becomes our habit and that will be their go-to and movement. And it, it will translate into their movement patterns as they develop. And obviously, you know, once, when kids are put in, especially in like a public or private school and they tend to need to s- or be seated all day, that affects that as well. So, yes. yeah. Uh, the more they can move at home early can kind of maybe, you know, counteract some of that extremely long and uh, all the sitting. Um, yeah. Uh, so you touched on the fact that little ones have diastasis. They're born with it. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a kind of a timeline in terms of how long that should last, when that should go away? Um, and if it's maybe going, if they have it longer than anticipated, are there ways to help to close that up for the baby? Yeah. So around four and a half months, you'll see, you'll start to see support on opposite elbow and opposite knee while they're playing and they'll play with their free hand. And then around six months when you start to see them roll is usually when you start to see that diastasis approximate. If it lasts for a longer time, like beyond a year or even farther, um, I would say definitely getting them into a chiropractor that does DNS or um, PT that does DNS. And there's so much that you can do with their play, just resisted motion and play, especially turning and resist at the hip and have them reach for something like up and at an angle or have them crawl to something out in front and kind of hold their hips. The goal isn't to make them scream and miserable. And there's a window of opportunity to work with them that is easier. Um, And then there's also an age where they start to realize that, wait a minute, I want this and I should be able to get this. And why are you restricting me that they can get a little bit pissed, but (laughs) not, not working them beyond their tolerance, but just making it a fun playful game. And at the same time, enhancing their movement patterns. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that like, it's, you're not like exercising your child or putting them into the point where they're uncomfortable it should be fun in a game 
Um, yeah. Or no one's happy. That's for sure. Right. And then I wonder on some level if they might come to kind of have animosity towards certain kind of movement as well. If you do that to the point where they're unhappy and that's definitely something we'd want to avoid. Um, yeah. For sure. Okay. Awesome. That's great to know. We're kind of in that boat. Evie does a lot of like, she can roll both ways and she does a lot of like, if she's on her belly or her back, like a lot of kind of rolling to her side and looking at things up above and reaching. Um, so it's so cool. I'm going to try and get a video of it so I can post it so you guys can see, but yeah, you should. hearing that makes me be like, Oh, okay. Cause we got all worried. She rolled a bunch and now she's kind of over it because she's figured out how to like do stuff like that, where she can see what she wants without rolling over. And now I feel like maybe that's a good thing that she's moving in other ways too. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say too, if you have a child that, um, when they roll, they totally extend back to mm-hmm. roll. We, I've seen this a lot where they almost come into extension in order to throw their chest over uh, resisting at that hip again. It's crazy. Once you just pull a little bit right on the front of their hip, like the technically it's the ASIS or front of the pelvis yeah. as they're rolling their anterior posterior slings will match one other than into extension or extreme flexion so yeah it's pretty cool That's to see awesome. the different okay I'm totally gonna play around yeah. with that I love it um sweet yeah thank you it's uh, definitely taking a lot of this from this interview for myself I'm not gonna lie <laughs> no totally fine and I should actually I should take a video like even if it's just a few short 10 second segments of me doing this with Macklin or something so that I would you guys that. can see what I'm talking about yeah and well if you share that or wherever that gets posted we'll link to it so that people can see it because okay. it's hard to conceptualize when you hear it it's so awesome yeah. to see it and if you guys go to the professional seminar you'll see she's got like a series of pictures of the different phases of the development and it's it's awesome to have that visual so you should go to that. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question is, um, so a lot of times you'll hear of or see babies who figure out a way to kind of scoot instead of crawl. And so yeah. they'll do the scooting thing to get, I did it. And I have a lot of back stuff and like I was, I have hernias and or they've now been surgically fixed, but still they're there. And so, and I wonder how much of this might've been avoided or improved upon if I had crawled more than scoot, scooted my way wherever I wanted to go. Um, I was pretty stubborn. So if a baby is scooting instead of crawling, um, how can you kind of help them to figure out the crawl? Because I know crawling is super important and, um, that's not a stage that we want little ones to skip necessarily. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I guess a little bit more is, are they scooting, like scooting on their back or more of an army crawl or, or um, what do you mean? Like seen, scooting on their butt? I've seen a lot of scooting on the butt. Like, Okay. So if they're scooting on their butt, then I would have them go onto all fours and literally, so like every time you put them down, put them on flat onto their back. So they have to roll and come into the position in order to get up. Like you're literally giving them an opportunity to enhance their movement each time you set them down on the ground. So rather than sitting them down and seated, because that's what, where they want to be, lay them down flat. It forces them to have to roll one way or the other put them in tabletop position or crawl position and again resist in that crawl position and crawl with them they love to mimic our movements they love 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 it so getting down on the ground and playing with them and crawling with them can be just as beneficial so yeah um each time we pick them up 
or set them down is an opportunity to enhance those movement patterns. Yes, that's huge because I know like I catch myself picking her up. She's on her back and I'll pick her straight up almost like a crunch. And then I'll see her stasis. I'm like, what are you doing? It's just like when I was immediately postpartum and I'd hear her cry and I would sit up and I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) So (laughs) we're going to mess up. You're going to forget. I forget all the time, but I'm trying to be more conscious of it. And, uh, and knowing that every time I do that, it's an opportunity for her to build up her core strength. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And the final question is just about resources. Cause I know, um, us included, you can get sometimes you can get a lot of slack for this stuff from family or community or whoever though it's no one else's business they like to make it theirs and so <laughs> um i guess looking for and i have one one um woman she wrote in and she is a um what is she she works in early intervention so she gets asked like questions all the time and she wants to be able to provide uh resources for parents as well so do you have any good ones we could direct people to yeah, actually, there's one book, and it's called um, Baby Moves, and I'm going to try and grab it here quick, if it will let me. So um, the author is a woman in New Zealand, I believe, and... I had it on my registry. And she no is... <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. I give it to new moms, and they absolutely love it. And I don't. It's. I think it's Marianne starts with a V. I'm drawing I'll a link blank on it. I right know now. exactly what you're talking about, so I'll link to it. Okay, um, but that book is like super easy for practitioners or professionals, but also for parents to understand. And it just goes through month by month what you should be looking for as far as development and ways to encourage them. Um, look at the rehab PS, the DNS website and just kind of, I mean, it's, it's really research heavy, but just dig around a little bit in there and then know, I guess just knowing that you're an advocate for your child and being strong and confident in your foundations, um, and knowing that having those respectful conversations with family members it's often tough, but you're also educating them. And sometimes when people are resistant to it, it, it's more, it's definitely more on them feeling like they did something wrong. So it would be like the mom that I am now after having four boys talking to the mom that I was when I had Taryn and telling me that like you can't put him in X, Y, or Z things that he was in. Um, and there's a little bit of defense there sometimes for some people. So that can be tough. But uh, the BirthFit website, the BirthFit blog also has several blogs that talk about this. Lindsay Muma has written a couple of blogs on, on the development of it. We actually have an older blog on the Cooley Health page that talks about the importance of the squat. And um, if you, even if you just Google like baby squats positions and just look at the beautiful way that they move. Or obviously if you have a child, just respect and and enjoy the true wonder that it is for them to move well. Um, And you can certainly contact me if you have any questions or need resources for support. I totally get it. Um, Not only physically, but our, you know, as far as our movements and, and things, Um, our family also eats 
relatively different than the majority of our extended family. So across the board, people are getting used to it, but it's tough. It can be tough. And just know that there's a ton of support out there for you. A lot of moms in the Birth Fit tribe and Laura and myself yeah. are definitely here to support you in that. 100%. So where can people find you then? So you're at, um, we'll link to Instagram. You're at uh, Birth Fit Wisconsin and Cooley Health. Yeah. Yep. So BirthFit Wisconsin and Cooley Health and then uh, BirthFitWisconsin.com is my BirthFit website and CooleyHealth.com is our Cooley Health website. And there's some information about DNS and things on there as well. So Awesome. And then you could, they can also yeah. schedule yeah. consults with you through the BirthFit website, right? And that's more yeah. for mm-hmm. mom's core, like postpartum um, rehab, but yeah. could they also reach out for baby if they feel like they need for sure insight. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you would just, it's under core and pelvic floor. And when you schedule it, if you're going to schedule it more with questions about your kiddos, then maybe just make a little note about that. But cool. yeah, I'll link to all that in the show notes as well. So, um, I am so grateful that you came on here and gave us, I know your mom of four boys own two businesses. So I'm so grateful that you gave us an hour of your day. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. It's good to be here. It's, it's fun. good to see your face as always. You too. Can't you wait too. to actually give you a hug in 2018. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Awesome. Well, any last thoughts or anything you'd like to say or share? I feel like we covered a lot. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. No, just thanks for all the questions. Those are really good questions. And it allowed us a lot of, a lot of conversation. So yeah, our listeners are the best. Um, great. Well guys, as always, you can find me at Laura radical roots on Instagram and Jess is just dot hold the space. You can email us at modern mama's podcast at gmail.com and you can find all the show notes on both of our um, websites. So we look forward to next week and uh, thank you so much, Erica. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Jess here. Just wanted to give you the heads up on a great deal that we don't want you to miss out on. Laura and I have recently teamed up with our friends at ButcherBox to bring you an amazing offer on premium grass-fed, hormone, and antibiotic-free meats delivered right to your door. We've absolutely been loving the opportunity to put together our own custom boxes of the highest quality beef, pork, and chicken. And we definitely don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to try it too. Right now, if you visit butcherbox.com forward slash modern mamas, you get the chance to get $10 off of your first box, plus two free 10-ounce grass-fed ribeyes. You definitely don't want to miss out on this deal, friends, so get on it.